Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined by Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. Will, as founders, we spend a lot of time thinking about all of the things that could go wrong. And well, sometimes they do, right? And sometimes all of the things go wrong and startups fail. So I was thinking today, why don't we talk about what does that actually look like? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's interesting to me is when we talk about uh, in, in previous episodes, you know, we talked about things like am I safe and what could the 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 downside look like, etc. Yeah. What we're talking about today is that actual aftermath, but more importantly, what you do with that aftermath. Because I think for a lot of founders, maybe they're going through this now. Maybe they are in the aftermath period where things definitely started to fall apart and now they're at a point where that business is done or it, it yeah. feels that way. And now we're looking the other direction saying, okay, well, what next? Here's what what next typically looks like. And this is the part that I, I really want to get into to start. Here's what it looked like for me. <laughs> That's a good place specific. to start. Yeah. So uh, circa 2007, maybe, I'd been starting this company called affordit.com that doesn't exist anymore. But in its moment, it was a hot little internet company. Uh, it doesn't matter what the concept is. I'll save it for another show. But the net of it is we ended up raising a bunch of money in short order in Southern California from some really well-named investors, uh, you know, folks like Founders Fund, um, uh, Mark Suster invested personally uh, from Upfront VC. It's just a, a great group of people. And we raise a bunch of money, kind of like most startups do. We make a big stink that we're here and we've we've raised and we've got this big vision. We're bringing on people and all the things that we do. Well, you can probably guess it didn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> we went from hero to zero in probably the course of about two years. A, a story I'll tell in more detail some other time. What's relevant to today's story is I went to colossal failure in record time. In that time where I was in essentially just failure mode, I started to analyze how I was feeling because I felt like shit and why I was feeling that way and really what I could have done differently. And Ryan, I'm sure you've been through this, but at the time, it's kind of hard to be real analytical about it because I think it's mostly emotional. What's your take? Yeah, well, you know, I think a big part of it too is that failure, you know, even when it's fast, it's rarely all at once, right? So there's a, there's a lot that leads up to it, right? And there are little signals. Um, and, and sometimes as founders, we're the last ones to admit that it's actually at that point. And so I think that there's this, and it's probably just a self-defense mechanism. I know in my case, I was still like trying to fight. I was still trying to deny that it actually happened. And then once I was sure that it was, it's like, it's like any catastrophic event. You relive it over and over. I thought about individual conversations I'd had. What if I had hired that person? What if I hadn't hired that other person? You know, what were all the things, you know, and I just, I just kept reliving it in my mind over and over and over again the first time. And I really, really put myself through the ringer over it. The first time I went through this, it was, geez, what would Circa, we're like Circa 2003, I guess at this point. And so I was, you know, past my first company, which was successful, had exited that one, but I'm only a few years out of university at this point, still fairly young. And, and I just took the lesson really hard, right? And I felt like I owed it to myself and the company to just beat the shit out of myself, 
not for any real reason. There wasn't an outcome that Big, would come right? from that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it was like, I felt like I had to self-flagellate, right? Like it was just like walking down the street, you know, whipping myself with chains just so that I could, uh, everybody knew that I was suffering appropriately. There wasn't any point to it at all. And I don't recommend it, but that was absolutely what I did the first time. You know, I think from my standpoint that you mentioned the self-flagellation, I thought about all of the people that I had let down, right? I had let down, yeah. obviously, the people that invested in the business, obviously, the yep. people that were working at the business. <laughs> we didn't have many customers, which is probably why we didn't have much more funding. <laughs> so I didn't let too many of those people down. Yeah. But, and then it was, there was this bigger part, and, and this is pure ego. We made a really big stink. No, I'm not going to say we. I made a really big stink about what a great company this was going to be, doing your typical run around town founder promotion. And I made an ass of myself, just plain and simple. There, there's, there's no way, better way to put it. I, I said I was going to do something big, and I lost the championship right in front of everybody. Yep. Or at least that's how I felt about it. It turned out <laughs> no one else cared at all. Right. Whatsoever. It doesn't matter a to fact, them. Yeah. A fact I would learn much later. But here's what's important. At the time, that's not how I saw it. So at the time, we're just covered in maybe not self-pity, but self-doubt. It's a horrible place to be. And I think what I didn't know and what I'd love to cover in this episode is what I learned to do about it. And it, Ryan, again, I, I know you've been through it. We've coached hundreds, if not thousands, of founders through situations yes. like this. There is actually yep. a game plan for this. There is a way to judo move all of this. But I think before we get into that, I think it's helpful to describe the situation so people can kind of see the same parameters uh, that we're seeing. So along those lines. One of the things that I did uh, early into this spiral downward. I was going to call it a journey. It didn't feel like a journey. Like there was no destination in <laughs> mind. Fall. It was mostly just, yeah. mostly just free fall. Is I was certain, although nobody confirmed this, that everyone was mad at me or, or maybe oh, mad is yeah. not the right word, disappointed in me, right? Yep. And that I couldn't show my face. I'm not sure why I felt that way, but I, in other I, words, I nobody, know. like, you, you you feel like you've just pointed at the fence, right? You're standing at home plate and you just oh, pointed at the fence, analogy. right? You call your shot. Yeah. And then you subsequently swing at three bad pitches and struck out. <laughs> That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to you. To your point, yeah. nobody else was actually watching, right? Nobody yeah. else saw the point to the fence. Nobody else realized that you even struck out. Well, some people are going to know that you struck out. They're going to know that it ended poorly. But it doesn't feel the same way to them, right? And and for whatever expectations you feel like anyone else had, even investors, right? This is the game, right? This is what, this is what they're doing. They know they're not all going to win, right? As a founder, and we've talked about this before, we do sort of have to assume that we're going to win. We wouldn't play a game we didn't think we could win, and and we have to assume that we're going to. So, not winning feels like everything, right? It feels like you've lost everything. Turns out that's not the way everybody else sees it. And it's not even the reality for you as the founder. But in that moment, that's what it felt like. A point at the fence, three swings and a miss, and you feel awful about it. A few times in my life, I've been pulled over for speeding. Not a lot, but enough. And every <laughs> time I remember sitting on that highway, thinking of all these cars that are passing at me, looking at me, judging me, right? Yeah. Saying that like, oh my God, you know, look at him, lawbreaker. <laughs> you know what they were thinking? I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't That's me. That's exactly saying. it. Right. <laughs> and so I, I can't help but feel 
like during that period in my life, that was the, 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 the feeling most people got. It wasn't, you know, oh, what an a-hole he is. It was more like, man, glad it wasn't me. Now, right. is that a crappy way to think about people? Maybe. But it, there's also some truth in it in as much as people just don't care about it the way you think they care. And <laughs> I think from a firsthand perspective, that was the first hurdle I needed to get over because it it legitimately ruined my life for that period in time. And, and had I not found some judo moves around it, I, I don't know what the long-term impact would have been. How long was that period? How long did you did were you kind of stuck in the in the funk? I would say there was there was two periods. There was a six to twelve month period, which may not sound very long, but it is if you're living it. Where I was, I was broke, you know, just just mentally broke, uh, emotionally broke. And then there was about a year period afterward where I was still shell shocked from it. And here's the crazy thing: so that's two years. Yeah. And that's two years with me doing something about it. Imagine if if I wasn't proactive or optimistic or I fell into depression or, you know, you name yeah, yeah. any of the things you can layer on top of that, which are all very real. That was my best case scenario. However, here's what I would argue. It was my best case scenario because nobody else ever explained to me what I should have been doing with that time. You know, right, I was kind right. of figuring out as I go. And that's not a great place to be. Yeah, that's not a that's not a car you want to change the tires on while it's rolling. Right? <laughs> Better to have a game plan and and be proactive about that. So let's let's dig into that. So yeah, sure. So you know, luckily as founders, we get plenty of opportunities to fail, and so if we didn't fail right the first time, we can fail right the second, the third, or the fourth time. So what uh, what's the what's your go forward plan look like? Well, I mean, let's talk about what, what, the, what the startup failure looked like and we'll kind of compare that to some of the go forward plan. It's definitely not just about losing money, although for a lot of folks, that, that was it. I, I had a little bit of sure. cash, so it sure. wasn't... Okay, here's, here's the better part to explain it. I had money, right? I, I, I'd done well yep. in previous ventures, so, so I had money. It didn't change a thing. Now, no, I've no. also lived most of my life not having any money, so let me be very pragmatic when I say this because somebody's thinking, yeah, you say that, but you had money. What I'm saying is, emotionally, it didn't change a thing. I felt yes. as horrible about my failure when I had money in the bank as I did when I was totally broke. Now, I had different means to do something about it. You know, I could pay my mortgage, etc. So I'm not trying to pretend it's, it's apples to apples. But surprisingly, I didn't find that having money or even past success did anything to change my emotional state. It right. just felt horrible. And so... Failure for me, I think for everybody, when they look at it, Ryan, I'm sure you feel the way the same way. It's deeply emotional. It's very personal. It's absolutely personal, right? Like yeah, that's, it's the startup that's the equivalent of losing moment, a child. Yeah, you can no longer dissociate yourself from the business, especially at that moment, right? I, I think there, there are a lot of times where we are probably more personally connected to a company than we should be, than is at least mentally healthy. But that point of failure is where it just all falls back to you, right? Even, you know, and, and of course, it's a, it's a team effort to win. It's a team effort to fail. Uh, but as the founder, you're always going to bear the brunt of that blow. And it just, yeah, it feels, it feels awful, right? It does. It, I, I think that the, the analogy of, of, you know, the, the loss of a child uh, might sound too strong, 
It's a startup um, equivalent. To it's definitely who not hasn't like been I'm not comparing it. it to learning right. a child. Yeah. No. And yet, like there's you go through a lot of the same emotions, right? You you think about all the things that could have been, you think all the things that should have been, what I could have done differently to prevent this, all of those same thought processes yes. and and emotional roller coaster occurs, right? It, it's a it's a very, very visceral experience. And uh yeah, it's horrible. I think from the outside, people look at it and say, oh, well, come on, that's just, it's just a job. You just lost a job. And losing a job sucks. Look, if you get fired from a job, it sucks. This ain't that. This is something so personal to you that it feels like it's been ripped from you. And it feels very differently. Uh, And and you you tend to dwell on it for a very, very long time. And and here's what it looks like. When When I remember it, I look back about that moment in time. Ryan, as you know, I'm a very outgoing person. I'm always hosting founder events and really, you know, out there in the community, et cetera. Yep. And then all of a sudden I wasn't. You want to know why? Because <laughs> all of a sudden I'm at a cocktail party among other founders and no one will talk to me. They'll talk to me, right? I'm, I, they don't dislike me, right? But it's yeah. awkward. We're kind of... uncomfortable. Oh right? God, it's so uncomfortable. For them, and for them as well, right? Because what do you so say? Bad. Yeah, what do you say? Hey, what have you been up to? I know what you've been up to. You've raised a bunch of money and you failed publicly in front of everybody. Like everyone knows yes. what you've been up to. And so you're either making this really forced small talk about anything else. Um, you're trying to talk about their business, but put it on on their side. How am I going to talk about my business when I know yours just failed? Right? What am I going to look I for? I had one of yeah. these so close to me because and, and this is this reinforces two points this is, is a pretty interesting little case study going back to the point about how personally we take these things and how it isn't about the financial outcome i sold a company nine months after i sold it the new ownership shuttered it bankrupted it went out of business oh, wow. i felt horrible I remember thinking like, maybe I shouldn't have sold it. I mean, what else could I have done to, you know, I wish they'd reached out to me, help them turn it around. Like so many emotions that I went through, my financial outcome was already set. I was done. It didn't cost me anything, right? And so it tells you a bit about how personally we take these things that the demise of this business, almost a year after I had sold it and was fully out the door. I still had a huge emotional reaction to that business closing. Of course you did. Because I had put my life into that thing. I had, I had grown it from nothing, started it, and, and built it up um, to the point where I you know, was able to sell it off, was super proud about the outcome, and, and then watched it die. And it was horrible. You know, now on to the next piece, a couple months later, at a cocktail party, I am standing across from the person who bought it from me. And like, what oh. do you say at that point, right? <laughs> like, I, it's so awkward. Like, hey, uh, sir, you weren't as good at that as I was or whatever. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was super awkward. Like, I wanted to say something. And we definitely did commiserate a little bit about the loss of the business. But like, it was awkward as all hell. Yeah, I agree. And you know that it's not just that conversation. It's the conversations where you're not in the room and you're wondering what's happening oh, in yeah. those conversations. And yeah, I hate sure. to say it. But a lot of founders kind of get into a little bit of a sewing circle. And if, if I'm being super transparent, sometimes they're gossipy little bitches. And <laughs> in that time, you know, you're, you're the punchline of, of their discussions. Is it gross? Yes. Yep. It's, a, it's a horrible you know, uh, thing to, to be a part of, whatever. But it happens. It's only worse when the people that are criticizing you are people that you know, aren't founders themselves and don't understand what's going through, like what you're going through. Right, That's a right. whole other discussion. 
But, you know, when I think about it and I think about now I'm worried about what all these other people are saying. Number one, they're probably not saying much because they're more worried about their own lives. But number two, I can't change that. What's been done is done, right? That ship has kind of sailed. So whatever people choose to say has already been said. And it took me a long time to wrap my head around that. And is is that ego? Yes. And of course it is. And it was supposed to be. How could you ever create something from nothing, something that comes out of you and not have ego attached to it? I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to, to think in a terms where you couldn't if you genuinely cared about it. All right. So that's what it looks like. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the picture of what, how, what and how a founder feels at that at moment of, of, of failure. And we're just essentially wrapped up in this ball of anxiety. What do we do with that? Well, here's, here's what I wasn't doing with it. I was spending all my time worrying and uh, probably feeling sorry for myself and doing all the things that probably any normal person <laughs> would do. So I, I don't, I don't regret yeah. those things. Uh, I don't take them away from me or anybody else. I mean, it's pretty normal to, to, to feel that way. But this really interesting thing happened. At some point in this process, I just, this is my analytical mind. I just started to think to myself, man, I kind of wish I had this much energy toward the end of that startup failing. You know, I said, <laughs> I wish I was up uh, yeah. with, with all of this, this uh, kind of nervous energy, if you will, uh, during the startup, because this is actually useful energy. I'm just applying it toward a useless exercise, which is worrying and, and feeling sorry for myself. And I thought, yep. what, if, what if someone could judo move that energy into something positive? What might that look like? And <laughs> it turns out my anxiety and my guess, a lot of other people's, can be used for good or evil. You know, we, <laughs> we can harness that energy for, for sure. good and do something powerful with it, which, you know, what's what, Ryan, what you and I are doing right now with startups.com, or we can use it to our own destruction. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You can either build yourself up and pick yourself apart. It's the same amount of energy. But let's talk about how do you turn that corner? Because I think there is a period where I'm not sure you can just go straight from, okay, my startup's failing. I'm going to judo move directly into using my anxiety for good. I feel like there is this sort of obligatory period of grieving. Do you, can you go back in time and remember like when that happened? What was it that happened that allowed you other than the realization? Cause I think the realization is one thing. I mean, we can, we can say this to people. They can hear us say it, use your anxiety for good. But how do you, how do you go from the depths of despair where you just feel like you have to beat yourself up? To turning that energy around like is there something we can actively do to make that happen i'm trying to go back in time and i'm not finding an obvious point where i would have been very receptive to this messaging right what did you do i looked for something else to put that time into more specifically i said i'm going to get involved in another startup now it doesn't have to be a startup i'm just a startup dude so that that was my answer yes it does <laughs> yes it has to be a startup there's no other answer no <laughs> but you can point it wherever you want so long as you're pointing it somewhere positive in other words if you were to say hey i'd rather take all that time and be in the gym for 12 hours a day you'd be totally jacked but beyond that i, I don't think you can from my standpoint what i wanted to do was say if i'm going to take all this time and energy towards something let me go put it toward another startup and ryan that was essentially yeah. the genesis of startups.com it, it, the thought process and the whole narrative that I started to build was specifically me trying to point my cannon in a different direction. Yep. And I, I think that's interesting. I think it's fascinating, actually, because 
the moment we get back on the horse and start focusing on something positive again, we don't have time for those negative emotions. So I, I just went all in on a new concept. And all of a sudden, I found out I was still wildly anxious. I was still staying up till three in the morning. I still had a lot of that restless energy. I just wasn't spending sure, sure. worrying about what happened two years ago. I was spending that energy trying to yeah. figure out how to get out of this hole to go do something new that I was excited about. Yeah. So the hard redirect, right? Just stop spending your time looking backwards, hard redirect into something else, apply the energy there and move forward. It, and it, you're right. It almost doesn't matter what it is. No. I think for a lot of startup founders, it's going to end up being another startup because just because, um, but it really doesn't matter, right? It's the same advice you'd give to a friend who was going through any sort of trauma, breakup, a loss, whatever, which is to distract yourself with something else so that you're not thinking about this shit 24 hours a day and beating yourself up over it. I got to say something else. And I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll have a psychologist uh, on on the show and she'll tell us something very different than what I'm saying. So please don't take this as any kind of medical advice. <laughs> but I found that uh, take right now uh, where we are in the business, et cetera. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I can go home at a regular hour. I can shift my focus to spending time with my family and doing whatever it is that I do when I'm not working. During that time, I didn't really have that gear. During that time, when the day was over, yeah. my mind started to go back into anxiety mode of what I, what I was reliving from my PTSD of the past. And so that I actually then had to take that energy and go back to work again. Is that healthy? Absolutely not. You know what's less healthy? Staying up all night worrying about my old startup. Right? So Yeah, right. It, yeah. Endless depression. Yeah, no. It gave me a bit of an extra gear for probably every bit of two years where I was so dead set on not reliving that past, on not having to fall back in, into what that failure was, that it gave me just a, one more reason to push as hard as I can into my next startup. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Are there 50 reasons why that's probably unhealthy at so many levels? Yes. But again, it, for me, it was going to be one or the other. I was either going to put that time into new startup or relive the old startup. And the choice was pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was very similar. The, the analog that I would use was that it was almost a, it was a competition, right? It was a competition between the old startup and the new startup, right? And the competition was that I would not repeat the same mistakes. I would drive more success with the next one and all those things. It's like, uh, was it Mario Kart where you could race against your own ghost? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. So I was using that. the previous failures as the, as the, as the startup, as the startup ghost, right? And, I, and I'm comparing the two, right? So rather than, than look back at it as, as complete abject failure, I looked at it as baselines and benchmarks that weren't sufficient. And so they needed to be beat, right? Whatever, whatever the, the, the metrics of failure were on that one needed to be exceeded with, with the next one. Um, and just being a competitive person by nature, that helped me a lot. That was how I could kind of positively channel that energy and say like, look, I'm just going to do better rather than thinking of it as having lost everything. I sort of think of it as having lost a game, not the championship, not the last one, not the entire season, just one, right? And knowing that we can continue to do this and do it over and over again um, and keep trying. And hey, we both said this before, like half the fun is building these things. It is. Right. So getting the opportunity to build another one, not really that bad. Once you've been through failure a couple of times, you know that you're not going to die from it. Um, you just keep bouncing back and doing it again. You know, there's another part to it, Ryan, is I had something to prove. You know, prior to 
to sure. doing that business or doing afford it. Uh, I had some, I had a few successes, you know, in a row. So I didn't really have anything to prove. I mean, not that I didn't care about my goals, but it wasn't that, you know, I was, I was fighting for upside for this time, for this time around. And again, this is what led to startups.com. I had something to prove. I wanted to prove that I was, yeah, I was still good enough to myself as well as to whomever else I would guess I was trying to prove it to. And sure. I think that actually brings out the best in me. I would love to think that I can perform just as well with nothing to prove, but it's not true. When I have something to prove, uh, I get an extra gear. And and I think that's, you know, that, that underdog mentality that certainly I grew up with that makes me a, a much more formidable competitor uh, when that happens. And looking back, I wish somebody could have told me that, could have said, look, yes, you lost one. Now get out there with something to prove. You know, the way a coach will tell a team after they've just yeah. suffered from a big loss. Yep. Um, because it works. Exactly it. It's it's motivating especially it for the right people. It's motivational, right? There's a reason coaches continue to do that because it will motivate people to achieve more than they did the last time, right? There's nothing wrong with it. And that. then some other interesting things happen, Ryan. Another interesting thing that happened was those same cocktail parties that I was going into, I went from the person that 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 just convulsed when they saw the invitation even come in to attend one of these because <laughs> I'm thinking, oh God, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> To <laughs> yep. the person that shows up and won't shut up about my next idea, which, by the way, was a huge relief to all those people that no longer had yes. to have these uncomfortable conversations. And then this really interesting thing oh. happens. It, yeah. It's all of a sudden, I recognize because I'm getting out there again and I'm doing my thing, that no one cared that I failed. That everyone was just like, man, I'm just glad to see you're out there. Like, I can't wait to have more conversations like we used oh. to because we're not just talking about your failure. Of course, we're talking about somebody else's at that point. I mean, they, they happen frequently enough. That you don't ever stay the most recent <laughs> failure for very long, we're right? Back you're, in the soda. You're no longer the new kid in the failure Yeah, spot. yeah, yep. yeah. But I got to tell you, when, when I'm working on something new, uh, I get so excited about it. Today, I was at lunch with a founder. I was telling him about a new product that we're working on at startups.com. And just that, that, that anxious, excited energy that you get when you're talking about shaping the world a little bit, especially with another founder, is awesome, and I feel let's call it what it is. What's that? Mania. Mania. It's 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 mania. Ultra mania. Like we get manic. Yes, that's what we do. One of the mania back. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's where mania. we get. Yeah, you bring back the mania, and you just direct that insane energy and anxiety into into something else. And I so I think the key here is that we have something else that if, if we're coming off of you know a, a loss in some way, our first focus point is to find something else to put that energy into. It doesn't have to be our next startup necessarily. It could be a startup. It could be a idea, an, an idea. It could be something that we, we, we feel is a good use of our energy right now. I would caution, and I think, Ryan, now you, you and I talked about this in a previous episode. It's also okay to not work on your next startup. And usually your next startup if you haven't had any time to think yeah. about it, is a shitty idea. It's, I think we talked about it in the in the context of uh, uh, what happens to founders when they cash out. They go and start something else and they didn't have enough time yes. to think about it and they start some crappy business. But in this case, I think having something else to wrap your arms around is super powerful. Sometimes even if it's not even your business, you're just advising another company and trying to get them going. I've seen a lot of that done successfully. That's what I did after the after the last exit was I just spent time then working with other startup founders rather than jumping right back into something because I had done that before. I had jumped right into something um, and ended up being something that, you know, was 
objectively, it was a good opportunity, but it wasn't something I was that interested in. I just got involved with it because I didn't have any, I had free time, right? Free time is a huge, huge danger. Um, and so I jumped into something. So after the, after the second, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pump the brakes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get my startup adrenaline needs filled, uh, by proxy. And I'm going to work with other founders and I'm going to stay close to the game and, and enjoy myself. Uh, but I'm not going to leap right back in just because I can. Well, right? And I think that that doesn't matter whether you're coming off a failure or success. I think that it's it, it still, you know, redirect the energy. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You don't have to jump right back in another startup. Yeah. I think another caveat I'd put is uh, what I didn't do at all. And I wish I could have advised myself. I didn't recoup physically. You know, I'd, I'd been oh, running yeah. myself much harder than I realized. And also in a past episode, we talked about some of the physical costs of what it meant to keep running, keep running ourselves that hard. You know, trips to the ER and, <laughs> and really nasty stuff. Yes. Um, I didn't appreciate the toll that the entire journey had taken on me mentally and physically. And I think if I were to go back in time and, and basically coach myself again, I would say, yes, you need to work on something else. But before you do that, before you make that the priority, you need to make a priority on what healing is going to look like, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Yes. You've got to do something to get yourself reset because there's no version by the time you've gotten to this point where you're doing pretty well. <laughs> I don't think that's even yeah. possible. Look, this is a huge, this is my kryptonite. This is absolutely my kryptonite because I'm competitive with myself. I refuse to believe that I can't just jump right back in and do something. Case in point on Sunday, played a full 90 minutes of soccer uh, towards the end of the game, popped my hip partially out of socket, right? Got fouled pretty hard. Hip popped out a little bit. One of my teammates came, yanked my, yanked my leg back into place. And uh, we were short players. So I didn't come off the field. I stayed on the field and I just sort of maintained my space. Wasn't very useful. I just <laughs> stayed in my spot. But that's not where the story ends. That's not, that, that, was, that was okay, right? It gets dumber because last night I, I decided to go ahead and practice jujitsu because it's Monday oh, night and that's what I do. And I told myself, no, that's fine. I can, I can do that. I'll be fine. Um, and we've got a guy preparing for tournaments. So like I wanted to be there for him. I wanted to be able to support him and, and, and make sure he gets what he needs. Um, and so I, uh, I, I decided to just go ahead and do that, right? I didn't give myself the time to recover today. I'm paying. Oh, I'm it. sure. I'm, I'm walking funny today. <laughs> I'm sure. But look, the way I see it, when we talk to founders and, you know, we've kind of been through this process ourselves, the best way to deal with startup failure is to reload. The best way to channel and harness that startup anxiety is to reload. The reloading can come in various forms. It can come in a version where I'm going to reload my health and my mental wellness. Yep. It can come with, I'm going to reload my career. I'm going to reload my bank account, <laughs> hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a common there, one. There's so many versions, and, and we're all probably suffering from all of those. So I, I don't want to discount any of those or try to weigh more uh, in, in some capacity than others. However, what I will say, and I, I can't be, uh, I can't emphasize this enough, all that matters when it comes to that point of failure, when it comes to that point of reset, is that all of our energy, every bit of emotion goes toward the reload. And that is our only focal point on a go forward basis.
That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.